Welcome, everybody, to Inside the Cage. I am your host, Terrell Campbell. And I am your man, Jerome Spann. And this is your home for a little bit of that MMA, a lot of that pro wrestling, and just for the next week or so, a little bit of that. Jerome, what's that other sport we're talking about right now? About now? Football! That's right. And, of course, you can't miss the fan favorite section of Span Shenanigans. But... To kick off this week's show, Jerome, do you know what Saturday marks? Saturday, February 5th. Um, Saturday, February 5th? I don't know. You got me. I mean, I mean, yeah, to state the obvious, yes, it does mark Saturday, February 5th. But it also marks the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship debut of one 12-gauge Paige Van Zandt. And... And in preparation of talking about this, I've gone to look at some of the stuff that Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship has done. Because you know what? I will be the first one to, to say I was not too familiar with any of the stuff that they've done because to me, it just seemed like, okay, it's going to be a fly-in-the-night promotion. You know, like I said, we've seen it before with Affliction and uh, got Elite XE and all, all sorts of stuff. So we've seen it before. But it's been like two years, and they're still and they're gaining strength, and they've signed a couple names uh, here and there. But a lot, of, a lot of people end up leaving for greener pastures, like Beck Rawlings. She left there, went to Bellator. Uh, but Paige Van Zant and Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. I'm not sure how I feel about that, Jerome. Let's say, what are your thoughts on it? Um. Well, for me, it's just uh. I mean, she had to go somewhere and keep fighting, right? So I guess that was where her best option. But is it anything that excites me? Not really. I mean, at this point, Paige Van Zandt is just more of a name than she actually is a quality fighter. I'd like to say that she was more than that, but unfortunately, that's all that she is. So do I have any ill will towards her or, or wish to lose no no she hasn't done anything like that you know she hasn't done anything flagrant that makes me like weird against her and I, and I hope she has some success right because she is a name that i've known in mma for you know quite some time at this point but excitement very very little on my part here i mean i, I look at this in a sense of saying wow we've gotten to this point in their career huh so, I, I wish her the success that you know, I hope she has there. But I, I do. I am I going to be making sure on Saturday that I'm putting that on my TV instead of whatever NBA game might be on? Probably not. Because I will. I will say this. Like I say the person that she's uh, fighting is Britton Hart, and I've looked at some of Britton Hart's fights and. Paige is going to have her work cut out for her because they say, because they, they don't do it like MMA. Like I say, yes, they have five rounds, but they're two minute rounds and it's strictly punching. It's strictly punching. And I've seen Britton Hart put some hurtings on some, some people. And I just don't Paige Van Zant. I think that, when she was with the UFC, and you'll agree with me on this, Jerome, I know you will because we've said it before, 
they were they wanted to give her the Ronda Rousey treatment, but mm-hmm. her skills inside the octagon did not get to that point where she could get the full treatment. Think about it. The girl was on Dancing with the Stars. Like that's that's mainstream exposure for someone like her. Yes. Um so you can't you know, like I say, she could have done a lot of stuff. And I don't think there's anybody out there that was would, would not agree that Paige Van Zandt is not an objectively attractive woman. Like, she's, I think she's very attractive. And, you know, and like I say, and when you have that kind of look, when it comes to, you know, the look and the skills, if you have the right amount of skills and the right look, then you're going to be all over mainstream coverage and everything like that. Everybody's going to know your name. Some people might be glad you came, but it's... I I was halfway expecting her to sign with Bellator. Because when she got... When her contract with UFC was up, I'm just like, she's going to Bellator. And then when she went to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, I'm like, that's so far out of your wheelhouse. I don't think that's going to work. Because whenever I've seen her fight... She throws a lot of kicks. She throw. She tries for takedowns. This is strictly boxing. This is this is not her wheelhouse. Yes, she's had time to try and break the MMA habit of oh, I want to kick this person. Oh, I want to try and take them down. Guess what? I think she might fall into that. I mean, I watched the weigh in. Well, not the whole thing, but I watched part of the weigh in that was earlier today, Jerome, and the girl she's fighting. Got all up in her face. She just kind of pushed her off, like, right off the neck. And girls just like, just remember, you can't choke here. You can't choke here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, well, it's called Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. And I and I had to, like, say, when I was researching, I had to see what this whole thing was about. Because it's one of those things that just kind of popped up out of nowhere and gained some traction. And it's basically... It's basically boxing just with bare knuckles. That's what it is. I didn't at first I thought, okay, are they taking this to the next level with MMA where you can punch somebody on the ground with bare knuckles and stuff? No, it's basically two people standing up, squaring off and trying to see who can who can land the most punches, who can land a knockout. So, when it comes down to it, I probably won't watch it myself. But I know some people who will, and I'll have them report back to me how well Paige did, <laughs> and if she and if she did a great job, then you know what will come up. I'll come on here and say, Paige Van Zandt, I was wrong. But if she gets busted up so bad that it looked like uh, I'm trying to remember who she fought that busted up her busted her up real bad that like her face was like swollen up after the fight. I can't remember who it was, but I'll be like, well, at least you tried it. <laughs> oh goodness oh goodness well I mean but, at some point she's gonna at some point she's gonna have to hang it up and like I said this feels like the logic at least for how her career trajectory has gone this feels like the logical next step and you're talking about someone who's made more money as an influencer on social media than she did in the UFC yep by like, like tenfold, probably more than likely. Like, because I know yeah. she made pennies in the UFC, basically, uh, and what she's made being an influencer. 
I, to be honest with you, Terrell, it shocked me that she even decided to keep fighting once her UFC days were done, just because it's like, you're already making all this money as an influencer. Why are you still trying to fight? And she's also, like I say, she's also not a bad dancer. I never watched Dancing with the Stars, but I've seen her stuff on Instagram. And like I say, she has rhythm. She has some dancing skill. You, you know, hey, maybe they might do another Step Up movie. Get Paige Van Zandt to pop in there for stop a it. Just second. Stop it. You and the Step Up. Stop it. Step Up. Step Up. Anyways, but speaking of things that also could be ridiculous, Jerome Diaz versus Poirier. It's a likely possibility that that's the fight we're going to happen. That's right. Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier. Jerome, who is booking crap over in the UFC now? I miss Joe Silva. Um, I, I don't know because <laughs> you're talking to somebody, but you got to remember, Troy, you're talking to somebody who consistently has been saying that I'm tired of seeing guys that are past their prime fighting. I'm tired of seeing the hype machine fights. I'm sick of all that. I just want to see the best fighters fight all the time. And this goes back to the point of what I was talking about with Conor McGregor. The UFC is more concerned with cash cow fights than they are with what is potentially the best fights that they can present to you. Poirier versus Diaz, I don't see that as a cash cow fight. Well, do you know why it is, though? Think about it. Who was Poirier's what, last two fight? Guys? Hold on. Who was Poirier's last fight? Connor. Okay. He won that. Who was the last guy to beat Connor before, before that? Khabib. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we ain't even going to talk about that. That's <laughs> off. We ain't going to talk about that. You know, we, we, try, we try to lead that. That was a whole ass. But there's three men to beat Connor since he's been hot, right? Poirier, Khabib, and Diaz. Diaz had the first, you know, the first one to knock him off, right? So, you know, you're not getting another Khabib fight. Khabib was probably laughing at Dana White every damn day as this man tries to say, "Well, I'll pay you this much," and he's just like, "Nope, nope, nope." But they need another. Really, all this is thrills and a build up to them trying to say this person is probably going to end up fighting Connor again. See what I'm saying? Instead of saying, let's put, let's really start a championship run here, you know, let's see if Poirier can be a new champion and be, be somebody that can run with the belt. They're like, nah, we're just going to keep going with these cash fights because they just, they don't have names. Think, who are their names at this point? This is what the problem that we're coming to now. And you remember we were at this point um, a few years ago before Connor started getting hot and you had like the rise of him, right? They only at that point, what did they have? They had Silva, John Jones, like Cormier, and like the Diaz brothers. You know what I mean? They didn't really have any any names that registered with the with just the general public. They're hitting that point again now to where, look, they got John Jones, right? His name registers. And for all fight fans, Israel, his fights, he his name registers. But for the general public, most people don't know who the hell he is at this point. You know what I mean? True. They have no idea who he is. At first, and that's no 
that's that, there's no attack on his ability or how great he is. It's just facts. People don't really know who he is. And then let's see who else you got out there. Uh, you got, the, the more difficult your last name is, the harder it is to yeah. break through. Then let's see who else you got. You got uh, the, the the dude that uh, the real real lightweight guy, um, the dude that like fought like five times last year, and ended it ended the um, ended the year with uh, um, against uh, what's his name, uh, the Mexican guy. Oh my goodness, Charles! The, it's the it's the fight that I said was the fight of the year. Oh, uh, let's say Figueroa. There we go. Thank you. Look at him. Right? It, as far as quality, he's on that same level as like Jones and, and stuff like that, right? But again, if you say his name to the general public, you don't even know who the hell he is. Right. Like I say, the only person that they've had come up, like say, with even that kind of appeal, let's say that could was Sean O'Malley. And when Sean O'Malley uh, lost, no, that high then, train went out the window. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's their problem though. They don't have any stars, so they have to keep chasing fights with known names. And if you think about how, if we're just going over all like the known names right now, right? They're split across so many different divisions that hypothetically can't really line up with each other anymore. You know, like they at one point. You were like, okay, John Jones is in light heavyweight, and then you've got these other guys at heavyweight. Well, now he's heavyweight. Nobody at light heavyweight is a threat to anyone at heavyweight. We know that, right? Like we, these guys weren't a threat to John Jones, and we believe we both personally believe John Jones is going to go out here and whoop some serious butt at the heavyweight division, right? So, who who is out there right now that is a known fighter that could sell a fight for them beyond anybody that we've named? Can you can you think of anyone? Because no disrespect to the female goat, but again, she's not selling fights like that. I love the lioness, but she ain't. She's not selling a card by herself. That's that's very true. So, like, they have to have the right person to line up next to her to sell that fight, mm-hmm. and 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 that's the thing you have. You have, like, say, Rose Namajunas around, but she's not going to sell a fight. Uh, Wiley Zhang, not going to sell a fight. Yon and Yonechek, not going to sell a fight. But they may have the best fights of the year. But because the general, because a five-year-old can't say their names and most 30-year-olds can't say their last names, it's not going to happen. They say Zhang's a Zhang's an easy last name to say, mm-hmm. but it's because she does not have that appeal to Middle America. That's the truth of it. If you can appeal to Middle America, you will definitely succeed. I mean, one of the one of the few female fighters I thought should have been a bigger star in MMA, and and the only thing is, she she came, she got the Strikeforce title during the rise of Rousey, and then when she finally got the UFC title. Then that was the rise of the lioness, and and that was Misha Tate, because Misha Tate had that had had the look and appeal to actually be a cross brand star, but she didn't have the run the run with the belt to actually make a lot of people go, we want her. I mean, did you know that Misha Tate did a movie? What movie was she in? It was a movie. It was like this little side movie 
called Fight Valley, and it was her. Never. Cyborg Santa. Cyborg was in it, <laughs> and uh, and Holly Holm. Huh. You know, they say, and now, and now, they say Amazon Prime has a has a better version of this movie without actual real fighters in it, <laughs> featuring Malin Ackerman, Alec Baldwin, and Bella Thorne. I've watched both movies. The new movie, far superior to the other one. The other one had bad acting. And I'm not talking about the fighters. I'm talking about the actual actors. Not surprised. Not surprised. You know? So it's it's one of those things where, yes, am I am am I, am I somebody who loves to see a good, you know, cash fight? Yeah, because I want to see what happens. But at the same token, I want to see a fight that I actually think is going to be worth it. Please, Dana, whoever your matchmaker is, because Joe Silva's not there no more. And can y'all bring back Joe Silva, please? Because he at least made fights that were exciting and made sense. <laughs> but can y'all can y'all at the very least make us care again about these fights? Because yes, there are some big fights coming up in the next couple of months that I care about. But the problem is, is that like three of them are on the same card. That's the problem. They're trying to, they say, because when you look at, when you look at the, and this is where I appreciate MMA, but at the same time, I have to knock them a little bit. When you look at boxing fights, how many people care about the undercard, Jerome? Nobody. But you look at MMA, you get that certain, okay, well, these are the next people up. These are the people that are coming up thing. Mm-hmm. But then they try and book too many fights that are going to, you know, appeal. Like I say, you could have any of these people, ha- like I say, any of those fights headline a main, headline a card on ESPN or now ABC, apparently. It's, it's a rough thing. When you think about it, because you stack your cards up with multiple championship matches, and yes, you may not, and yes, you will definitely know that that someone as talented as Valentina Shevchenko should be a draw, but she's not, and you put her in a co-main event. Honestly, you know what I think was one of their biggest mistakes was that once they started putting their free cards on ESPN plus, I think it was a huge mistake that one of the biggest appeals for UFC in its time when it was on its rise. Right. Because we kind of say it's, it's, it's really hit kind of an apex, right? It's kind of just topped out. It doesn't seem like it's growing anymore, but it seems like it's at a healthy enough level to where now it has actual real national exposure. Right. But I think that was a huge mistake because stars stars were made on Spike TV and all this stuff when they were having free cards on TV. There were stars made. I mean, for goodness sake, for goodness sake, a dude they marched out there for years, if not for their ultimate fighter show, they wouldn't even be able to run them out there. Two of the guys that they had, actually. Because they put on what is still known as potentially the greatest 
fight to ever take place in the Ultimate Fighter. Yes. So I, I think that is adding to their problem along with I think they have way too many cards now. Way too many. Oh, God. Oh, man. It's so hard to keep track. I will admit that. Man, it's ridiculous at this point because every time you look up, there's another card, but then you're seeing guys main eventing a card that you've never even heard of. You know, you're like, who? who is this? I've never even heard of this guy. Who are you? Let's say, I think the next card that they have that I actually know both fighters is Blades versus Lewis. Yeah. And that's a fight I'm going to watch. That's a fight I'm going to watch. watch. I'll watch that. You know, give it up to the hometown boy, Curtis Blades. That's 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 what I'm gonna do. But again, though, but we're we're at that point though, to where I think we both look at it. You you have way too many cards, and you got a lack of stars, and so what you're giving us at this point is kind of a getting to own being almost a mediocre product, if I'm being honest. I mean, I can't disagree with you at all because. A friend of mine, I said he likes to play like DraftKings and stuff like that. And he and he would randomly come up to me when I would see him, you know, when the world was still, you know, not burning. <laughs> and he and he'd ask me, like, say, to make picks, and I'd be like, dude, I don't even recognize half the names on this on these on this sheet. I recognize like four names. Yep. So so I was just throwing out picks. But when it came to the actual pay per view cards, then I could be like, okay, I can give you some better picks on this. But it's just, I don't know, UFC needs to dwindle down the number of cash fights that they do, and they also need to dwindle down the number of cards they do. Because guess what? When they were doing 24 cards a a year, that was enough because you had your main pay-per-view card and you had the fight night card. That's all you really needed because the fight night is for people on the rise. You saw the guy's main event, the fight night, that meant they were going up to, to the next level. But and then you have the pay per views. Yeah, I think they're so just now, doing themselves a serious disservice, though. If they want to have this many amount of cards, you have to stop putting it behind a paywall. You know what I mean? If you want people to be exposed to it, it can't be behind a paywall. It has to be. I've got my cable subscription. I can just turn it on and watch this. That's one thing that has been brilliant about what. I don't know how much you've been uh, watching the top rank fights as they as they come on usually about usually top rank has one about like every month they have a good card that they can put out but that's where they have been brilliant top rank has had <clears throat> some of their bigger fighters fighting on espn you don't have to go to espn plus all the, and sign up for some other stuff no you literally just go to espn and this big name championship fight is on there there is still a even with the amount of people cutting their cords, as far as getting your product exposed to more eyes, there is still a major value to being on the base cable programming like on an ESPN or on an ABC or on an NBC, stuff like that. There's still a, a huge value to that. It's why there are plenty of great basketball shows out there but it's why inside the NBA still dominates ratings wise and, and, and awards wise. Yes. Their, their show is like impeccably done, right? It's excellent, but there's other great shows out there that don't get as much exposure because they're not on TNT. 
TNT, as you and I both know, comes in the base cable package. So I, I believe UFC is really missing the mark by not having more of these cards on free TV. I think they need to renegotiate their deal with ESPN for the betterment of their product because getting that more money up front, you know what I mean? Because obviously they're getting a percentage of, um, you know, subscription stuff based on how many people are probably viewing their product per month. Right. And as far as like, you know, just going into the app and viewing UFC stuff, (coughs) excuse me. So they're, they're getting their cut, but at this point it's to the detriment of your overall product. So if you keep, chipping away at the quality of your product at some point you're going to be left with something that nobody gives a damn about watching anyway very good point Jerome and I have my ESPN plus account mainly because I want to watch the UFC fights that do happen on there and for the 30 for 30 library 30 for 30 for library is where it's at to be honest that's like that is they have some amazing, amazing stories, which speaking of, I am excited for the one that's coming out tonight. T. Uh, Al Davis versus the NFL, that is going to be astounding. I say, say I'll be I'll be checking that one out myself. But Jerome, speaking of Al Davis, though, he he was the owner of the Raiders, which means it's time for us to talk a little bit of that. What's that called, Jerome? Football! That's right, ladies and gentlemen. February 7th, coming up this upcoming Sunday, it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday, where we see the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jerome, we'll be remiss if we didn't talk about this because, hey, it's big sports news. And although our central focus would be MMA and pro wrestling, we still do cover some of the other sports. And Jerome, I know that you're I know that every single analyst out there has been saying the same thing that the Chiefs should walk away with this one, but there's a chance that good old Tom Brady might find a way to pull another one out of his hat at forty three years old. All right, so we're not gonna be the show that's pushing the narr- narrative that Tom Brady could pull another one out of his hat. We're not doing that. Okay, we're going to stop that right now, right away. Let me tell you why. First off, Tom Brady is not the reason they're in that Super Bowl. Okay? That is a loaded team, number one. Number two, while Tom Brady was out there trying to sell the game away last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, the defense stepped up and made all the plays that needed to be made in order to make sure that they had victory. Okay, so – if the Bucks are able to pull off a upset here in the Super Bowl, it would strictly, strictly be because of their defense and have little to nothing to do with their offense. Their offense is – it is talented, but I, I, I'm i going to be the one to say it, Terrell. This is the hill I'm going to die on. I think the Bucks would have been better this year with Jameis Winston. And I know a lot of people are going to look at me sideways and be like, well, well, how the hell can you say that? Because what people are discounting here is that the Bucks had to change the entire way that they actually want to play football because Tom Brady was limited in what he could actually do for the team, right? 
So they had to change it up. They had to change the whole offense. If you notice, the first seven or like if you get for me, you throw, okay, right? Go back and look at the Bears game. The offense that they were running against the Bears is not the offense that they were running for like the last five or six weeks of the year and the playoffs. Not the same offense. That offense, they were trying to stretch the field vertically. The offense that they're doing now, they're doing a lot of underneath stuff and they're taking a shot once in a while, which then goes back to part of my discussion with Tom Brady in that game last week. He had multiple throws to Mike Evans that he underthrew him. And if he would, if Tom Brady had the arm talent, would have thrown this man into the end zone. This goes to my point of why I believe Jameis Winston would have been better for this team. They have had to adjust for the limitations of their quarterback. That's not good. Yes, it's worked out for them, but it's worked out for them more so because their defense is way better than it was last year. Their defense is supremely more talented than it was the, the year before, and so that is why they're in the Super Bowl. So we're gonna we're not going to be the show that sits here and passes off bullcrap narrative that it's all about Tom Brady. It's not. That team got into the Super Bowl with a lot of quarterbacks out there. Okay. I'm actually you you've heard how I felt about Drew Brees all season long, Terrell. I'm apt and inclined to say if Drew Brees had that team, he would have got to the Super Bowl too. Aaron Rodgers is on the Bucks, he gets to the Super Bowl too. What about Trubisky? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Mr. Trubisky would have thrown them right out of a playoff game. He'd have been out there looking, oh, what do I do, George? What do I do? What about Foles? I mean, Foles is probably someone who, well, see, here's where the the issue comes in with Foles. He has a lot of the same limitations as Tom Brady, so they would have had to, they, they would have had to limit their offense in some of the same ways. You know what I mean? So, I mean, potentially, yeah, he could have, but it, it, it it's hard for me to say that because I've never been somebody that believes that much in Nick Foles, that I believe that he's like some supremely talented guy. Even after the Super Bowl, I had to tell people to calm the hell down because Joe Flacco had a hot four-game stretch too. And what does that mean for Joe Flacco? He still stunk. Well, I will say this. When it comes to the Super Bowl, this is what I would love to see. I would love to see the score go up to 21 to 14 in the first quarter and just stay that way the entire game. Don't care who wins. Just stay that way the entire game. Way to give yourself away, Terrell. Way to give yourself away. (laughs) What? 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 I can't want a a beginning offensive game and the rest of it just be purely defense? Oh, so you want us to be bored for three quarters. Got it. That's what I just heard. Terrell said, I don't care about the entertainment value of this game. I just want my money. Yes. Sounds about right. But if we're getting to the brass tacks of it, I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I think it ends up being a close game. And as far as the score goes, I think it's going to be very similar to last year's game. I think the Chiefs end up winning by probably no more than 10 points. I don't think the Chiefs win by it. I think the Bucks defense is good enough to 
apply pressure with four, and that's going to cause Kansas City some issues, especially with Eric Fisher being out. I know a lot of people are probably like, who the hell is Eric Fisher? He's one of the more valuable players. He's their left tackle. And when you're, you and I both know, Terrell, when your tackle goes out in football, that's a big freaking problem. Nobody has a backup tackle that's anywhere as good as they need him to be because if he was that good, he wouldn't be a backup for their team. <laughs> so that that's going to be the matchup to watch on Sunday is to watch – what happens with the replacement for Eric Fisher? Because if that guy can hold up and have the game of his life for one game, right, the Chiefs are walking away as Super Bowl champions without any question. Now, if that guy struggles consistently throughout the night to whether it is picking up blitzes that they're going to bring, right, or just dealing with the individual man that he has across from him rushing, if he struggles with either of those throughout the night, it could be a long night for the Chiefs. That's the one thing that can cost them the game. Everything else, in my opinion, is the advantage. You know what, Jerome? I take back what I said earlier. Let's say I would love for it to be like twenty-one to fourteen for about three quarters, and then all of a sudden, just an offensive explosion for like a touchdown and a field goal in favor of the team that's at fourteen. Disgusting. Am I discussing enough that we need to go to our next segment where you call shenanigans on me? Well, I think it, I think I am. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Spans Shenanigans. <laughs> oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Mind of Mad Man. I'd like to welcome you here every, every week. We're here with some, uh, some stories this week. We've got some... I don't know, some... Uh, pretty much everything out here is kind of good. It was, it's not necessarily... Anything sad this week? You know, we've actually got some some good stories, some funny ones, and some and some very important stories out there. So let's get this train rolling with story number one. Here we've got the Republicans again out here pulling crap, and I got to call shenanigans on them simply because of this. And I'll make it quick, and and, I, and you know I'll let you speak your piece on this in a second here, Drew, but. Obviously, the Democrats are now in control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Um, so what they are planning on doing is passing a $1.9 trillion relief package. I believe that's the total number. I believe it's $1.9. Um, well, in the vein of Joe Biden trying to stick to his word, he said he, you know, they would try and be bipartisan and try and work with the Republicans. And they, they presented to the Republicans the option to say, well, Present us to us what you think your plan would be. Well, a group of Republicans led, 10 Republicans led by Senator Susan Collins, presented a plan, Terrell, that was, wait for it, one third the size of the Democrats' bill. So, again, Republicans out here pulling bullcrap because they weren't saying any of this, were they, Terrell, when they were talking about all those tax cuts the rich needed because they needed to give that trickle-down economics again. So again, Terrell, once again, we see the Republicans don't give a damn about the everyday people, and they are not really trying to fix things. So if the Democrats are going to reign true to what they have been saying, they will just pass the bill in spite of them and keep things moving, which is what I hope they do, because Republican Party, I call shenanigans on you again for not giving a damn about the American people. Oh, Republicans. (laughs) 
I, just I know, I know. That's why I'm laughing because, like, I know you. When you say something like that, that's that's a head shake right there. That's a oh my goodness, what is wrong with these people? But again, but but I do commend President Biden for actually trying to keep his word. He wanted to. He said stated before he wanted to be a president for everybody. Well, he's trying to do that. And you know what? Here's the thing. I have friends who are Republicans. You know what my friends who are Republicans are saying? Can we just pass this bill and give me hey, my money? Hey, if they want that, pilot their own party. Because they're the ones holding it up. And if you want historical context, people, and how you know the Republican Party is full of it on this, this is the exact same game that they played with uh, Obama when Obama was trying to get and the Democratic Party at that time was trying to get a you know a package to get the economy going again after the Great Recession there. So this is the exact same game they played with that and the exact same game that they played with our health care bill, which, as you all know, the health care system is better than it was, but it's not the health care system that we should have got, right? So this is the same game. Don't fall for the trick. Hopefully the Democrats stick to their words, though, because they can literally pass these things without any Republican voting yes for it. So just do what's best for the country and keep things moving forward. Republican shenanigans on you once again, though, for proven. Again, you don't really give a crap about the average American person. But moving forward here, um, Jeff Bezos actually stepped down as CEO of Amazon. And um, I know a lot of people are kind of wondering what this may mean. I don't think anyone really knows at this point, but um, David Sampson, who is the former... Um, president of the Florida Marlins. He does a great podcast and he was on with the Libertar Show podcast. And they were actually, he brought up a great point that I really didn't consider that when you're somebody like that and you're building your business up and you built it up from, you know, from your garage and into this multi-million dollar company, that's fun. And when you're taking your company from being a multi-million dollar company to a billion dollar company, that's fun. And then when you're watching your company continue to grow to where you're now you're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars a day, that's fun. But then at some point, you know, if you are, if you have any altruistic bone in your body, you look in the mirror and you say, well, what the hell am I really doing? Is this really the maximum impact that I could be having on this world? Is this really what I want to be doing with the rest of my life? And he may have just hit, as a lot of people like to call it, that come to Jesus moment, you know, and maybe he wants to do something different with his life. I don't know what that may be, but I just hope that. Jeff Bezos takes the immense power that he has because of his wealth and he uses it to try and make this world a better place. And I hope he starts it with Jeff Bezos, pay your damn employees right. Stop cheating your employees, Jeff Bezos. You a billion dollar company, dog. Terrell, you've heard the stories about what some of the stuff they did, right? You remember yeah, I used no, to no, work for but, that company. Yeah, like you've heard, like even to the point to where they were during the pandemic, they were taking the tips that their drivers were getting. Yeah. No, I didn't hear so, about that. Like, it, yeah. Extra grimy, bro. Super grime, like out of control. But again, Bezos, I hope that you do do a lot of great things with your wealth and power that you have, but start with your own employees. Get them right first. Because there's no reason that anybody that works for your company should be struggling. Plain out and simple. Period. 
moving forward here, though, uh, this one was kind of crazy, and it almost could have ruined what we were dealing with in the you know our game that we're having on Sunday. Um, uh, the Chiefs barber tested positive for COVID. Luckily, they got him out mid haircut with someone, and those two players have also that were in close exposure to him have also been quarantined. So it doesn't seem as if there is a greater risk for more exposure on the team and more spreading. Hopefully, you know, um, neither of those guys come up positive. I haven't seen necessarily they've came up positive before we started the show. I had kind of – I had wrote out some of this list early in the day today, so I don't know for sure if he – if the guys that were in close exposure have came out positive now. But I just hope everybody has a quick recovery there because, man, that could have blown the big game for sure on Sunday because if Patrick Mahomes would have been out because of COVID, boy, I promise you I wouldn't have watched the Super Bowl. And you know I love football, T. I would not have watched that. I wouldn't have. It would have just been three hours of me watching them stroke Tom Brady's ego, and I'm cool on that. Uh, moving forward here, I, uh, I'm i going to pray. And I'm prefacing this very specifically, and I hope people know this. And if And if this person ever feels some type of way, I'm willing to, you know, say it to them and willing to defend my statement in a court of law. But a judge has allowed a terrorist to go on a vacation. Um, Who am I referring to? It's one of the people that was at the terrorist activity that took place at the Capitol. And uh, apparently this person would had put in a request with their with the judge overseeing their case to be able to take a trip to Mexico while they were waiting to stand trial for this. And the judge agreed to that. And I find that to be absolutely 100 percent the most ludicrous stuff I have ever heard in my life. Let me get this straight. This man was a part this of a woman. group of people that sees yes. oh this woman was a part of a group of people that sieged mm-hmm. the capital and is now allowed to leave uh-huh. the country yep yep just let that marinate for you for a second yep I just want to say again people if you don't see that there's a different America for everybody. You might want to go take a look at this because there is a. I tr- I'm trying not to draw it along lines of race so clearly, but it's hard for me not to do it when you see something like this. But there was a. I believe he's a 20 year old black man that was there, taking place in all that terrorist activity. He can't even get bail at this point. But this lady who's out on bail gets to go on vacation and she actually went inside. She actually went inside of the Capitol building. He never actually made it inside the Capitol building. Ain't that crazy? Call shenanigans on, on the judge for sure on that, though. You, judge, you're lucky that I just couldn't pull your name up because I'd be blasting your damn name right now. Well, maybe we can find yeah. it for next week. Oh, yeah. We'll oh, please, please. I'll have it. Oh, I will. You know me. You know how petty I am. I got to put him on blast. <laughs> but uh, moving forward here, and a kind of a lighter story, Golden State Warriors. I don't know if you saw this, Terrell, over the last week. Um, there was a player named Rodney McGregor where uh, apparently he was kind of getting into it with some of the guys on the Warriors. And um, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson 
took the time. Well, Draymond in the post game press conference took the time to clown him, and Clay Thompson was clowning him during the game. Clay, Clay, I'm kind of paraphrasing it here, but he basically said, "I don't know why this guy's talking all tough. He ain't gonna be in the league after this year anyway." <laughs> uh, um, Draymond was basically saying, "Dude, how you gonna try and talk tough to anybody when your name is Rod?" <laughs> okay, so for those that just hadn't seen it, I just want you guys to go take a look at it. This is the only reason I'm actually bringing it here. I don't, you know, I don't really take much issue with anything that happened here. I just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention because I thought it was hilarious that they were out here clowning this man because his name was Rodney. But keeping in the NBA realm here, LaMelo Ball over this last week had donated 500 blankets to a homeless shelter in the Charlotte area there. I just, you know, Mitra always like giving these guys their credit when they're out here doing things, you know, to help try and add positive energy to the world. So LaMelo Ball seems like he is someone that already seems to understand that there are some things that he can do to help empower some organizations and, and help empower some people to continue even doing even more greater things out there. So LaMelo Ball, I just want to say you are this week's hashtag using your power for good. So shout outs to you, Mr. LaMelo Ball. 500 blankets. <laughs> Not itchy. Never lost. <laughs> Never lost. You know what they were saying, Terrell, when they gave it to him? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but moving forward here, um, with everything going on with Deshaun Watson, there has been plenty of people, um, you know, current athletes, former athletes, all voicing their opinion on what is going on with Deshaun Watson and him, you know, requesting his trade from Houston. Well, one of those athletes that decided to voice his opinion was none other than Brett Favre. Now, I'm only bringing this up simply just because of the nonsensical statement that Brett Favre made. Now, honestly, I don't really give it too much of a care what anybody really thinks about the whole Deshaun Watson situation, like what any other athlete is, right? Because all I know is that, hey, Deshaun Watson has been betrayed by his organization. And me as a guy who has always viewed when when players are betrayed by their organization, that they should be making the moves to get out to get to an organization that won't betray them, right? I don't really care too much what other people's opinions are on that matter. But I'm bringing Brett Favre up because he is a perfect example of the exact opinion that is bullcrap at its finest. So Brett Favre over this last week, he decided to basically say, and I'm paraphrasing, that Deshaun Watson needs to shut up and throw the ball. That he makes way too much money to be complaining about anything going on, and he basically just needs to shut up and throw the ball. I'm sorry, Brett Favre, but you, of all people, have no legs to stand upon trying to tell anybody who shut up and do anything. Okay. For those that don't know, Brett Favre was a huge diva. He he was the you know how they always talk about all the diva wide receivers and, and the behavior that you think you're gonna get from these diva wide receivers and all this. Brett Favre was that, but a quarterback. He was literally doing, like, all that stuff that they used to try and say about Terrell Owens, right, how, oh, he's a bad teammate, he's this and that, da 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 That was really Brett Favre. But they just didn't hold him accountable because he was a quarterback. 
Well, Brett Favre, all I got to say to you is shut the hell up. For a guy who was always crying and whining and held his held a franchise hostage for an entire year and held your franchise hostage year after year talking about some, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to retire this year. You know, I might not. I might, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Then all of a sudden, when training camp's getting ready to round up, you're like, okay, I'm coming back. You did that like three or four years, Brett Favre. So you have no grounds to be saying a damn thing about any other athlete. So, Brett Favre, you are the clown. Of the week. Moving on, though. Um, this is another football football connected story here. So, uh, Thoreau, did you hear about Jared Wheeler, the offense, the backup offensive lineman that was formerly of the Seahawks, um, that was arrested over this last week because of his domestic violence incident? Did you hear about him? Okay, no. so. For as appalling as Ray Rice's actions were and, um, you know, any of these other guys that we may have named over time, I have to only compare this incident to the Greg Hardy incident, Terrell. And I, I think you remember how serious that one was. You know, we spent a lot of, we've spent a lot of time talking about Greg Hardy and his disgusting behavior, right? Well, this man, essentially, Terrell, he beat his woman for not bowing to him beat her very horribly to a point to where he had even thought he killed her because in his comment to her, when she came out of the room after being in there um, for quite a while after the incident occurred was, Oh, you're still alive. So he had clearly thought he had murdered this woman and really had no remorse about it. The reason I'm bringing this up to you is yes, he is. He's been arrested. Seahawks have cut all ties with him. They are not planning on bringing him back. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up though is just because Terrell, you know how the a lot of times with these police killings, right, of civilians, they always are talking about how the police feel feared for their lives, right? You know that line? You know have you heard that one? Yeah. So Terrell, let me ask you something. What do you think uh do you think a man that is six, seven 300-something pounds and going through a manic ep- – what it, what he's – him and his lawyer are trying to describe as a manic episode. Do you think that might be viewed as something scary? Of course. I'm sure as hell didn't think so. Because guess what, Terrell? Even after they tased him and they felt that it was having no effect, guess what they still managed to do, Terrell? Take him in alive. So I'm bringing this point up to address two things. Number one, just another example for you people, show you again how these cops can have plenty of restraint when they want to. They just choose not to a lot of times. Plain out and simple. But the more important part why I'm bringing this up is, again, we have someone committing a horrible act of domestic violence. I just want to stand out here and say to anyone out there again, going through act, going through some domestic violence of their own, you do not have to stay around for that. You do not deserve to be treated like that. You can be treated like that. You deserve better. Please seek better for yourself. 
please seek out the resources that are out there that will help you try and get out of that situation. There, are, there is a lot more love out in this world than you realize. I know we all don't necessarily know it, but there's a lot of people out there that just got love that they're willing to show you unconditionally and just try and help you get to where you need to be. So please, people, if you know anyone going through it, try and help them out in their situation. Try and be an asset and not a liability for them. But sorry, I had to take that, uh, you know, a little bit into the dark place. But I promise people we are going to be ending on some happy notes here. Okay. But the next story in line we've got here is Courtside Karen. Terrell, did you hear about Courtside Karen? I heard about Courtside Karen. (laughs) All right. So for those who don't know, Courtside Karen is a person that was apparently she's a social media influencer. But she was thrown out of a Hawks game because she was um, using some very profane language when speaking to LeBron James because apparently LeBron had said some things to her husband. But to tell the whole story here, this couple is not innocent. This couple has followed, has went to several LeBron games sitting front row, and they are always consistently, well, especially the husband, consistently tries to post about LeBron. Essentially, LeBron's been living rent-free in this guy's head for years. So this couple, they're just another, you know, couple out here seeking their 15 minutes of fame. I just want to say to everybody else, don't give these people any fame. Let her be gone after this incident, please. Please, can we just do that? (laughs) Can we just do that? But I did find it hilarious, though, how the entire internet was clowning her because, my God, Terrell... When I when I found out she was twenty five, I was like, "Yo, you look like you forty." How she twenty five and look like forty, Terrell? How does that? Work? I'm, asking, I'm asking you seriously. You know how the hell does that work? How you twenty five and look forty? <laughs> I don't know either, bro. Exactly, but. Moving on here, we are going to finish the week on a very, it's a happy story, but I'm going to add some reality to it. Probably going to be pissed about, but I still got to add the reality in it because it's just how my brain works. People, I told you, you were inside the mind of a madman. But um, this week, NCAA uh, EA announced that NCAA football will be being brought back under their banner. Um, I know myself and quite a lot of um, sports gamers and old school gamers are very, very happy about this. For those who don't know, there hasn't been an NCAA football game made since um, 2014. And that is because of the lawsuit that they faced about player likenesses that they did end up losing. Which I'm very happy to find out that the game is coming back. But that part of my brain that I can't seem to shut off makes me wonder, well, how the hell are y'all going to deal with player likeness then? What kind of sneaky crap are these schools about to be putting into their paperwork with these students and their scholarship to make this be able to work? Because for those that don't know, they're still not paying the players. <laughs> my, my, so so here's, here's what I think is the workaround for that. Generic players. Like, you don't have to have them have yeah, a specific you remember they, they, That's what they were supposedly doing before, Jarrell, but that doesn't work. 
No, not when you have like certain like big time players yeah, but, 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 who but everybody knows what they work, look like. Though? Because it's not just based off of like it wasn't just based off of uh, just how the player looked. It also had to deal with like their overall rating and everything because it was all based off of the player stats and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know fully how they're going to be able to do this, but I am excited that they are bringing CA football back. But let me say this, um, and I'm going to end shenanigans on this note. Madden was a better football game when NCAA football was out because it always had competition to say that we can take innovation to the next level, right? They haven't had that over the past few years. They have most the game has most definitely suffered from. But if NCAA football comes out in the condition of next gen Madden from this year. We burned the whole building down, Thrill. We burned. EA got to go. We got to burn the whole thing down and start over, dog. Because <laughs> I done had enough. Because then, then now, now you're you're playing on my nostalgia, right? And you know me, T. I don't get nostalgic about stuff like that. I really don't. But you're playing on my, on my nostalgia. And now, if the game sucks, boy, telling you, we, we just got to throw EA all the way away, dog. Throw them all the way away. But that's all I've got for you this week. People, again, each week I tell you, please stop paying attention to the Kardashians. Pay attention to the stories going on in this world. They're like science. Like science stories are always excellent. I know I didn't really have too many for you this week or really none at all, actually, if I'm being honest. But you know that my opinion is science will help change the lives of you and the people around you for the better. So please, people, stop paying attention to those Kardashians. They don't give a damn about you. But you know what does? Science. Science will always be your friend, and science will always help you out and put you and your family in a uh, position of power. Oh, wait, one last story. I forgot about this one. I forgot to write it down, but it was in my head. Um, General Motors in the next 15 years has um, has already made the, the adjustments needed that their entire fleet of vehicles that they will be releasing within the next few Next 15 years, all of them are going to be only electric. They are going to stop production of the internal combustion engine. But that's my science story for you this week, people. That's awesome. That's for all those assholes that are always trying to tell you that we can't switch over to these technologies quick enough because you see what happens when a company is willing to actually start making the changes, how quickly they can actually phase out what is the most important thing about their entire product. See how quickly that works? amazing but as i say people please say, pay attention to science stop paying attention to those kardashians they don't give a damn about you that's all i got for you this week ladies and gentlemen that was span shenanigans all right so now it's time for us to turn it over into the world of pro wrestling and just this past week we had the royal rumble happen and it's time for me and jerome to have a little bit of a royal rumble recap so jerome what were your biggest takeaways well, from the Royal first, Rumble? Uh, let me uh, start by announcing thy winner last week. Myself, Destiny, and Lauren all had a we had a Royal Rumble competition to see who could pick the most winners. Okay, and our winner on the night, okay, ladies and gentlemen. We had a tie. 
Uh, yes, it was a three-way tie. It ended up working out kind of weird. Um, a lot of it broke down to the – it wasn't actually the Rumble matches that ended up doing it. What, what happened was was that um, between the Sasha Banks uh, and Carmella match, the uh, Bianca Bear uh, – Bianca – really, what did it was Lauren could have had the win Terrell, but she chose Rhea Ripley in the Rumble, and that ended up – yeah, that ended up giving ah. her the tie. If she would have picked – Bianca Belair, she would have ended up winning at all. But yes, we all ended up oh, having wow. a three-way tie here. But um, yeah, I, as far as my thoughts on the Rumble, I, I think I'll start with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. They gave me exactly what I wanted. You remember, Terrell, that I even stated to you that I hoped that they would go almost as crazy as The Rock and Mankind did. And I must say they most definitely went crazy when Kevin Owens jumped off from that and put him through the tables like that. I was like, this is amazing. The only thing I will say, though, is that next time, maybe don't use real handcuffs. Use some trick handcuffs. Maybe next time. Just so, you know, if you need to, you can just break the handcuff real quick because, uh... (laughs) That ending didn't go. It, the yep. ending was actually gonna be perfect, but it got kind of screwed up and ended up looking kind of wonky at the end, just because of how much struggle they had with getting the handcuff off. But match was great nonetheless. Um, they were they they were both impressive on the night. I will say, Sasha Banks continuing to do her thing. Loved it. It was. It was excellent, you know. Um, you know I'm a Carmella fan too, though. But I understand that this is a time for Sasha to shine, especially after she spent the better part of last year and the better part of the year before, really like helping build up a lot of the women in the division, including Bailey. So glad to see her getting her shine. Um, but that was that was actually excellent. But the highlight of the night for me, and I'm sure it was for you was when we got to see your boy, Terrell. Kristen! <laughs> uh, that, I'm not going to lie. When Christian came out, that got me super jacked up. Like, I was... I didn't expect it, even though I should have, because Edge was in there for so long, right? I should have expected Christian to come. But my brain didn't do it. I was like, just like, all right, let's see who comes. And but that was awesome. Christian coming out, hitting his moves, excellent night. I will say the ending um, of the men's rumble most definitely surprised me. I expected them to let Edge be in the rumble for quite an extended time. Because I knew, you know, we both understand the mechanics of how they work the rumble, right? They always have some guys in there at the start or within the first like five people in order to have some people that can do long working inside of the ring, right? Those usually within the first five guys, you can usually find who's going to be the person that's going to be in there the longest that night. Whether or not they win, that's not always necessarily the case, but you can usually find that person that's going to be in there the longest. Well, I didn't see Edge winning. I knew something had to be up with Randy Orton, though, 
because I, and I even said this to Lord and Destiny, right? Which was that, hey, I didn't see anybody put up the X, T. You know what I mean? I was looking for the X, but I didn't see anybody put up the X. And if Randy was actually hurt, if his leg was actually hurt, they wouldn't have let him walk out. They would have got the stretcher out and took him out on the stretcher. You know what I mean? I don't know. He could have. He could have done the Vince McMahon when Vince McMahon tore both his quads and walked out the arena. I still can't believe that man tore both of his quads trying to slide into the ring and then walked out. Like you are nuts, Vince McMahon. You're nuts. That's ego at your finest. So that's when it's like I can't let anybody see me being weak. <laughs> but the ending was great. I, I enjoyed the fact that uh, you know that they did it in the way that they did. I, I appreciated Randy Orton trying to come in and spoil the party because it was such a way to end it. I was very happy that they didn't make a crazy decision that was just all of a sudden give it to Randy Orton for no reason because you know, that would have pissed me off. But I enjoyed the night. The night overall was good. Um, I'm also very happy that they didn't end the, rum- the women's rumble with having Charlotte Flair be in there for another moment. I'm glad that they actually gave the people they're trying to build up a chance to shine inside of the ring instead of saying, well, here's another moment where Charlotte Flair gets to shine, whether she wins or loses, if she's there in the final moment again. I mean, I'm glad they didn't do that. But, but you know, you know what though? Like say in that moment, like say when Charlotte got eliminated, if you notice, she was smiling. Cause she knew, cause she knew she's just like, these are people that are going to be the future. And they say, these are like, she's worked with both Rhea and Bianca. She's worked an NXT match with Bianca. That's why, that's why Bianca got the phrase. Well, she didn't create the phrase, but when she looked at Charlotte one time, she's just like, you don't even go here. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that someone like Charlotte Charlotte knew, like, say, Charlotte knew going into that match, she's just like, if they would have said, well, we want to have you win again, if Charlotte wouldn't have, would have done anything but say, are you crazy? You've got Rhea Ripley, who's done it NXT, and you've got Bianca Belair, who's tearing it up on SmackDown. Why am I winning? You need to build them up so we don't have the same problem that you do with the men. Because guess what? You have to bring past stars back for the men to work with Guess what? You have a bona fide collegiate athlete that looks like a million bucks and a woman who definitely looks like a star. She looks like somebody when she walks into a room. Built them up. That's, they say, but if they would have done that, it wouldn't have been surprising for WWE booking. But say, it's one of those things. I was just surprised that Bianca came out number three. I thought she was going to get a nice, nice number like 11. But she came out number three. And this is one of the first times in like years that I not, did not have money on the Rumbles. And if I would have got like a number three or a number one, I would have been like, ah, oh, come on. Especially since I watched backstage and they said that Orton was supposed to be number one. But I guess Edge was just like, no, 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 no. I'm starting at number one. So, so yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, like my, my opinions of the Rumble. Yeah, Kevin Owens, like literally when the forklift thing happened, I was thinking one of two things. Is he about to pull a Mick Foley and and, and just put reins underneath the crate, uh, underneath the you know, thing <laughs> of the forklift? 
that was my, that was my legit first thought. The second thought is, oh, oh I bet Jerome's God, loving this right now. I loved every moment of that match. I loved it. The, you know, you know, they did the right thing by McIntyre, um, putting the belts, putting the the women's tag belts back on uh, Shayna and Nia was a good step. Hopefully, they don't have them for too long because I want to see Shayna Baszler. As a singles, I don't want well, to see her in the tag team anymore. I think that they're building that up so those two have a match where Shayna beats her at WrestleMania. That's what it feels like at this point, especially after Nia threw her out. It's like, oh, I see where you guys are going. Yep, you're going for the split, and then hopefully a WrestleMania match, or at least a some. At worst, it'd be a SummerSlam match, just because I don't. I'm not sure if they want to drop if they want to have them drop the titles before then. Just it, just in viewing it because I don't know who they would actually have take their place in the main event. You know what I mean? Like I I don't know what tag team in the women's division right now stands out enough to say, okay, we can take the titles off of them and these two will still be able to carry it and make the titles mean something. And that's the problem. There are no tag teams on the main roster that are really teams aside from the Riot Squad. Next, let's say if you look at if you look at NXT, you've got three teams down there that can actually that you can actually buy. One being Candice LeRae and Andy Hartwell. The second being Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. And the third being Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Outside of those three teams. Let's say NXT has a lot of talent, but those are the only three teams that I actually see being real teams because they're they're actually together. Like Kenzaro and Carter are an actual have like say been calling themselves Team Ninja, but don't, they don't they're not called that on TV probably because you know everybody's just like oh well we don't want to you know confuse people because Akira Tozawa. Uh, let's say they have the way which is Candice and Indy, and then. Raquel and Dakota, I mean, they don't even need a name. And you know how big I am on tag team names. Raquel and Dakota, hey, because Raquel Gonzalez is going to be a star one day. And Dakota Kai, they just need to, they need to eventually just let her shine on her own. But eh, you never you never know what's going to happen there. But let's say because right now the number one contenders for the women's tag titles are Lana and Naomi, which I'm always happy for Naomi to get any kind of shine. That woman is too and talented hey, not tell, to. Could you tell that Lana if, if had I, actually uh, learned how to start taking bumps and stuff better? Yeah, after getting put through a te- after yeah, getting put through a well, table I, for like, nine weeks, I hope so. She had to use those weeks off of TV to for sure work on her craft a little bit there because um, she looked much more comfortable than I think I've ever seen her actually look in the ring. Well, you know what the thing is? Like, say, when she first started, like, when she first, like, say, started her run as a wrestler and she had that women's title match, she looked really good. But then I think she lost her confidence after a bit because she thought, hey, they're going to be pushing me really well. And then they just kind of halted it. So, and and we see it all the time. Wrestlers lose their confidence. Want a prime example? Look at Drew McIntyre when he was in 3MB. The man was not the... The, the chosen one at the time. He's not the guy we see now. He let's say he lost a lot of his confidence. He thought he was still good, but he also wasn't the guy that everybody 
had seen in Europe for years. So what happened? He he ended up going away, regaining his fire, regaining his confidence, and he came back an absolutely transformed performer. You may be right. But uh but my takeaway, I was very surprised about Edge winning the Rumble. Not upset like a lot of the people in the IWCR, but I was surprised. The main reason I was surprised was because out of all the people that they were they could have had happen, I was not expecting Edge. I was expecting, you know, Big E. I was heck, you could have gave me a say somebody who I thought should should win it and eventually main event WrestleMania, Bobby Lashley. Because Bobby Lashley has just been terrifying over the last I think, seven months. Ever since they got him away from Lana, I think he's been terrifying. Bobby is currently the smarter approach to how they should do it. Because once they put the title on him, right, they're going to have to let him have a, a, a – it, it doesn't even have to be a super long run, but they're going to have to make it a significant time, right, because you want to build up his legacy as the monster being this this Thanos-like force where it's like he comes in and he just crushes everything, you know. Like you want him to have that appeal. So I don't know if they're in a spot where they could really do that yet because who would they really put him in the main event against with his current character? And and let's just be honest, Bobby Lashley sucks as a good guy. Okay. He sucks as a face. It's oh, yeah. awful. He's terrible. So they're gonna have to keep him as a heel. So who could he really work with right now that's in the title picture? I mean, outside of McIntyre. But against McIntyre, um, what, what you're running up against is two guys that you're trying to build up the same way. You're trying to make McIntyre seem as this great, huge force. How are you then going to throw Bobby Lashley in there and keep his his rep at the same level while not diminishing Drew McIntyre? You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to lose. And in all honesty, the only way I see this really playing out would be is the money in the bank briefcase. Have have Miz cash in on, on McIntyre when when it say write McIntyre off TV for a little bit and then Bobby Lashley goes on a tear. Wait, how does he get the belt off of Miz? McIntyre off TV right now when he's like hotter than he's ever been. But, but I still, mean, after the cash in, I mean, still, we still like, have until like hotter than he's ever been. Why would you take him off the TV now? That doesn't make any sense for them. Well, it, they say if you're going to push Bobby Lashley to that main event picture and eventually put the belt on him, I mean, think about it. Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin are not exactly spring chickens. Okay. They're both in their 40s. MVP in his 40s, maybe in his 50s. Let's see, you're talking about three-fourths of the Hurt business are guys that are closer to the end of their career than the beginning. If you're going to do something with Bobby Lashley as far as, like, putting the big belt on him, you gotta you got to pull the trigger within the next, like, few months because I'm seeing it, you're seeing it, everybody else is seeing it. This is the best Bobby Lashley has looked in a long time. When they brought him back as a babyface, eh, okay, but I had seen him an impact as a heel. He worked well as a heel. You have the perfect mouthpiece for him in MVP. You have him with his own group 
that can help him overcome a lot of stuff. So here's the thing. Yes, you can make Bobby the monster that goes up against Drew. And, hey, guess what? You have the hurt business on the outside to interfere in the match that could cost Drew. So you give Drew an out, and you crown Bobby. But then you're talking about it being a short run. And again, and, and again, not and again, retaining Bobby not- Lashley's legacy then. Because now you're saying that Bobby Lashley is not the monster that he's supposed to be. He needs help to win. You see what I'm saying? So you're, you're again, you're doing a disservice to with those two matching up currently. You're doing a disservice to one of them, one way or another. It's not a situation where that's going to work for everybody. Well, that's the thing. Like I say, you would need a heel to take the title off McIntyre. And is there any other heel in the company right now that can that you can legitimately say they should yeah, take the belt off of him? <laughs> the Who? Fiend. Who hasn't hey, been bruh. on TV since the TLC? Didn't, you didn't say there was a requirement that he had to be on TV since TLC. I, you said, is there a heel? And I gave you one right away. The Fiend. But the question is, is the fiend yes. really a heel? Really think about it about it ever since he dropped the title to Roman Reigns. The fiend hasn't necessarily been, been a heel. He's actually been more, Randy more Orton. of a tweener. And it's hard for anybody to seem like a heel when you're going up against that douche. <laughs> you will not speak ill on Randy Orton on this podcast. You know I just hate his character, dude. I, I, his I, I, ex- I, I, his in ring execution is so crispy, but I hate his character so much because it is so dry. Yeah. Well, and and the funny thing is, people have been saying for years, Randy Orton no, does not know how good he is, and if he ever realizes it, then it's going to be a scary thing. <laughs> Oh, word! In, in terms of you mean work. the same guy that that cursed out Kofi Kingston for making a mistake on the finish, but he doesn't know how good he is. People better stop blowing that smoke up people's ass. Randy Orton has had arrogance about this business for quite a while. So come on, people, let's stop that. Let's stop acting like Randy Orton's some super humble guy now. Get the hell out of here! No, 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 no. This no. isn't Randy Orton no, saying. I understand that, and I'm telling you saying. to all those people. Get the hell out of my face. Trying to blow smoke up my ass and tell me that it's not smoke. I'm sorry, dude. Randy Orton has had plenty of arrogance about his behavior in the industry that lets you know where he has always thought about himself as someone there. Sorry, dog. He's never getting forgiven for the Kofi Kingston shit he did for me. He's There's no forgiving that. That shows me all the arrogance in a wrestler that I need. That shows me everything that I need to know about you. That Instead of being a professional and taking that shit behind the curtains, you act that out on live national television as somebody's supposed to be getting their big push. Nah, bro, I got no respect for that person. So don't tell me that that person is humble enough that they don't think that they don't know how good they are. That mother thinks he's the best in the business. So please miss me with that. Well, speaking of the best in the business, Jerome, AEW Dynamite had a surprise. They had the man formerly known as Hideo Tommy, but if you actually, you know, 
respect the man and his work, you would call him by the name he chooses to use, the inventor of the go to sleep, Kenta, show up on AEW Dynamite last night, which marks the second time a New Japan pro contracted pro wrestler has shown up on the show, but the first time they've shown up there actually in the arena because with Jericho's package, they had uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, show up. Like I say, do a little nice thing for Jericho. So, Jerome, are we looking at a, a partnership between New Japan and AEW? Because that's actually the one thing that we would love. To, I, me, myself, I would love to see because now you get a, now you get a partnership between Impact and New Japan and AEW all rolled into one because now you can have Gallows and Anderson do their thing where, amongst the three. Now you can have the Bucks do their thing amongst the three. Now you can have Cody do his thing amongst the three. Kenny Omega amongst the three. And then, and I'm hoping that this does happen. I'm hoping that there's a legit partnership because now we get the one thing I've been dying to see since the New Japan days, but we never got, and that is the Bullet Club versus the Elite. Because when Kenny Omega was the IWGP US champion and him and Cody Rhodes had a great match for that belt, and after the match, Kenny was celebrating at the top with Tamatanga and Tangaloa, and Haku, all of a sudden, we just saw the attack come, and then we just saw the rift in the Bullet Club. And then, pretty much shortly after, all the guys that were on the elite side of the Bullet Club were all gone. All their contracts had expired. Only person that was still really, really there was uh, Kenny. And I'm sorry, I think it was the IWGP heavyweight belt that uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny was actually uh, holding at the time. But it's one of those I want to see that because they never did anything with it and it was right at the time that all those guys were leaving because with I say you're talking not just you're talking like say the Bucks were leaving Cody was leaving, Marty was leaving Hangman was leaving and the only one who was really going to still be around for a while was Kenny well we didn't know what was going to happen there because you have the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, one of the best tag teams in wrestling. I would love to see them get more exposure in America because New Japan, which I just found out, New Japan is actually going to have like a one-hour thing on like Wednesdays at like 4 p.m. on the Roku channel. So if you have a Roku, you can watch New Japan, which is awesome. It's just... I'm hoping this is the beginning because, hey, John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, for some of you who may not watch uh, AEW, is the IWGP U.S. champion. Kenta won a match and holds the briefcase for a title shot against John Moxley. Well, guess what? We are in a pandemic, people, so Moxley hasn't really been going to Japan. And also, he has a pregnant wife at home, so I think he wants to be traveling too much. Well, now Kenta showed up in AEW. So now do we see Moxley all of a sudden start showing up with his IWGP US title on AEW? 
like we used to see Kenny Omega with the Triple A Mega Championship, or do we see this have to play out in some kind of fashion with New Japan in another way? It's it's something that we have to really look at because I want this to be the mark of a relationship between the two companies because. I know New Japan would love to have Kenny back for one or two matches. I know they would like to have Jericho back for one or two matches, which I think Jericho's contract with AEW means he can go to Japan anytime he wants. But I know Moxley's does allow him as well. But I would love to see some of the New Japan guys come over. I would love to see Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega's former tag team partner, show up at AEW and just kind of look at him like, Kenny, what are you doing, bro? Like, what's going on? We were the golden lovers. What, what are you doing here? You know, I would love to see, you know, Okada show up and have another classic match with Kenny Omega. But we may not see that. But if we do get this partnership, I think it's the best thing, not just for AEW, not just for New Japan, but for the entire landscape of wrestling because it means that companies are willing to work with each other. We'll see. I mean, over long term, it should benefit both companies, but just because they're willing to do it doesn't mean that that certain other company is willing to do it. Yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) Because reality states, right, that there's only so much impact that they're able to have working with New Japan, right? But if they were able to work with that other entity, you know, things might actually get a little bit spicy, but unfortunately we know that that is not even close to even being a pipe dream because Vince McMahon, if he would even hear that idea, he would immediately tell you to go F yourself, basically. Right. And the the thing is, too, is like now... I don't know. Like I say, there were certain guys in AEW I would have loved to have seen matched up with a lot of guys in WWE. You know what the funny thing is? A lot of guys that I would have loved to have seen them match up with in WWE aren't there anymore. They're in Japan. They're in Ring of Honor. They're in Impact. They're in AEW. The only person that, the only match that would even have any meat on the bones for me would be Kenny versus AJ. Mm, that's it. I call BS because I bet you I could name another match for you right now that I bet you you would jump on if they announced that match today. That's Rollins Kenny oh, yeah? Omega. What, what, what's that match? You are damn. You are no. such a liar. Oh, oh no. Here we go. Here we go. No, no. I know what I need no. to do. Jungle Boy and Seth Rollins. Oh, you are such a liar, no. dude. You are a liar. <laughs> no. Here's the thing, Jerome. Here, here's the thing that why I say Kenny and Kenny and AJ, because at both at time at points in times they have both been leaders of the Bullet Club. Kenny took over the Bullet Club when AJ was leaving with the whole little turn, and AJ so, got sent off. So you Those never, two have never you touched. Ne- so, so I want to- regardless. So if they presented to you Seth Rollins and Jungle Boy, you ain't going. Oh, see? I'll watch it, but I'm not going to be like, overly hyped for it. I'll watch it. And so full of it, bro. Because here's the thing. Jungle, Jungle, Jungle Boy you needs to, to get to that oh, level. You're the one that's been trying to level. tell us. 
That's for it. the past two months on the show, that oh, Jungle Boy's at that level. They need to give him more shine. So is he at the level or is he not? He's getting there. He's not there know, yet. Man. I don't know. I just find it very funny how you've been put you've been trying to you've been trying to put so, Jungle Boy so wait, down so my wait. throat. Talking about how he needs to get more shine. And now I present a scenario where it will be one of the bigger wrestlers that I know you like, Seth Rollins, facing Jungle Boy in a potentially blockbuster match. And you're like, nah, I don't I wouldn't really be excited for that. You full of it. Okay, let me let me let me ask you this. Which one has more marquee value? AJ Styles and Kenny Omega or Seth Rollins and Jungle Boy? Probably AJ Styles and Kenny Omega. That's, that's just because they're more known. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. And that's what I'm talking about. Which one are you going to be more excited for, Terrell? You a lie. AJ and Kenny. <laughs> AJ and Kenny. That is the match I want to see because that is the match I think has the most meat on it. Because guess what? You have a story already built in there. Jungle Boy and Seth, you got to build that one up and you have to do it wonderfully because if you mess it up, even in the slightest, then it's going to lose luster. Kenny and AJ, you can just be like, you messed me over in Japan on my last night. I'm coming for your ass. Boom. Simple, easy. But regardless, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you let your friends know that they can listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Every Friday, and we drop the podcast at noon. And the, the but people before that uh, we hold go, us down here with this app, you can always find us on Anchor, too, if you do happen to have it. But also, make sure that uh, you follow us on social media. Drone. Everybody knows so the prettiest man of this show. It's at J Span the Man. You know, they already know. Just look for this handsome face. Yeah, the man, prettiest excuse man on the show me? in Narnia. Excuse uh, and and you can find me. You can find me at T Campbell underscore ITC on Instagram. And then make sure that you also follow the Inside the Cage Instagram page. That's inside with two eyes. And follow us on Facebook too. Because we do post some things here and there that you may want to listen to, may want to hear. So, with that being said, I am your host, oh, Captain Charisma, the instant classic. And I am Terrell Campbell. The best there ever is, the best there ever was, and the best there ever will be. You man, Jerome Spann. That's.